In today's trouble with the snap, Colton and I will be looking at a pretty loaded and very exciting Week 10 slate of games before jumping into our new locks of the week before finally wrapping up the show with a few discussion points. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS... Michigan State Stalin wants Dixon and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Alright everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of Trouble with the Snap. As always, I am Will, joined by my absolute academic weapon of a part of a partner and counterpart. I mean, he's such an academic weapon. He puts himself on waiting lists for classes. He's just that guy. Uh, but anyways, I'm of course speaking about Mr. Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing today, boss? We're doing pretty well. We had a little bit of class registration hiccups that were not my fault, but that happened early on in the morning, but I've since moved from 22nd on the wait list to second somehow in a matter of about six, seven hours. So as long as we can get off that wait list sometime in the next three months, I think everything is going to be all right. Then I just had a class and I had a presentation and it's pretty much the weekend for me. What about you? I'm just chilling. Same thing as you. I had uh, I woke up early this morning to do registration. However, I uh, was not put on a wait list like that. I guess I just don't take my academics as serious as you. Um, but no, I just had registration and that went about as smooth as I could have hoped for. And after that, I, uh, you know, just got up, went to class, had uh, the lecture portion of paintball today. And after that, I had a little bit of math. And, you know, just after after class, just came home to my apartment. And here we are. Is there a paintball final? I think there is, actually. Because it's a kinesiology class, of course. Um, but it just happens to be centered around paintball. But at the same time, the lectures we have on Thursdays are, like, nothing to do with paintball at all. Um, so I'm pretty sure there's, a like, a final like over all the kinesiology stuff we've done in the classroom this year that's so niche your professor is probably awesome oh he's a really nice guy mr uh professor gomez great guy he's actually uh i don't think he's a true like true professional but he's damn near close like of a professional paintball player like the dude is an absolute weapon on the paintball field on tuesdays it's crazy Does he always win oh well yeah well he actually he's so good he gets referees for us but he's, he's shown us, like, clips of him um, back in his prime and from a couple years ago, whatnot. Um, the dude's absolutely insane. And he shows up to class every day or every Tuesday um, with, like, a custom mask. That, like, his, uh, his goggles look like sunglasses, and he has a custom, like, painted paintball gun with, like, it, it, I, I can't even describe it because I wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. But long story short, the dude is, he's a dog. How do you ref in paintball? How do you what? Oh, how do you ref? Uh, you look to see if uh, it's mainly just to see if someone's been hit or not, because, you know, you have even though whenever you get hit by a paintball and it splatters all over you, you will still have quite a few dishonest people in that game. Um, I'm not saying always, but that that definitely tends to happen. And so uh, you mainly ref to see if someone has been hit and you call them out or someone's 
you know, breaking any kinds of rules or, um, Another thing too I didn't realize though is that since we're playing on like a small confined field, it's called like air ball technically. Um, so it's a lot smaller than us like actually going into the woods and like shooting up around, you know, like like old RVs and school buses whatnot. Um, so, anyways, a thing I didn't notice is that people on the sidelines who are waiting for the next game, like they are not allowed to say anything about the game that's going on. They they can't be like, oh, there's an enemy like around this corner for like mm-hmm. one team because that would give them you know, an unfair advantage. So I, I, I guess that it, it totally makes sense to me, but I just didn't realize that going into class that that was something you'd have to look out for. Did you ever win? Yeah, I win. Oh yeah. I, I Colton, I'm undefeated. I'm like the Nick Saban of paintball this year. Wow. The Nick Saban of paintball. I'm like, I know. The paintball or the LeBron. Yeah. I'm killing it, dude. No pun intended. Wow. You might have to go back if there's a part two, if there's like an advanced class, an honors paintball class. Well, I don't know. I might want to give all the other students a little time off from their ass getting whooped every day or every Tuesday. So we'll see. You're so selfless. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Humble brag. Yeah, should we hop into some matchups this weekend? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, how about you lead us off with uh, a pretty notable game in the Big Ten this year, this this week? Let's start with the with the number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes here. They travel to Piscataway to face six and two Rutgers, which is pretty surprising until you realize that their schedule is actually pretty backloaded. And I can probably see them finishing seven and five or six and six. Here we'll see if Ohio State is ready to play and if their offense can look a little bit better than last week. I think really the key for Ohio State is finding a way in these next three games to get their offense at Kyle McCord more up to speed so that they can be ready to face. The Michigan Wolverines, as far as this game goes, I don't really see any way that Rutgers could win unless maybe a Raptors kind of swoops in and takes out the Buckeyes team. But aside from that happening or meteor hitting the stadium, I don't really see any way that the Buckeyes don't come out of here with a pretty convincing win. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, kind of a bit of a, in my opinion, a bit of like a sneaky uniform matchup. I mean, I know they're both red like fire trucks, but um, I don't know. There's just something special about that Ohio State uniform. Anytime you see it on the field, whether it's all white with the silver helmets or if it's uh, red, red, like red and white, whatnot, so on and so forth, they always look so sharp. And Rutgers, of course, um, you know, they've certainly had quite a few good looking uniforms in the past, but either way, I'm right there with you. I mean, Ohio State just came in number one um, this past a few days ago in the CFP rankings for a reason. And I think there's absolutely no way that they don't take care of business on Saturday. All right, let's dive into uh, a pretty big game here for, um, I guess the ACC, even though Notre Dame, so excuse me, the game I'm talking about is Notre Dame Clemson. I was about to say a pretty big conference ACC game, but then I remember Notre Dame football is independent compared to every, every other Notre Dame team who's in the ACC. So apologies for that. But anyways, pretty huge game, regardless, any way you look at it. Um, you know, you have number 15 Notre Dame taking on uh, a 4-4 four and four Clemson team in Death Valley. That that just doesn't really roll off the tongue all too well. Um, long story short, I, I think Notre Dame will walk out of this game victorious. Um, you know, they're 7-2. They're and two. The boys are feeling pretty good. Um, Clemson is still, like, this has been definitely their worst season and probably a, a good part of a decade, I would say. I mean, we're all used to the dominating Clemson teams of the past, and you know, we were definitely expecting that going into this season somewhat, and they have been the exact opposite of what they've looked like in the past. And, um, you know, Notre Dame's still Notre Dame. You know, Sam Hartman's been playing some really good football so far, um, and I certainly think that he will do enough to get the job done against Clemson on Saturday against a really scuffling Tigers team. 
Yeah, I'm with you. As far as this matchup goes, I just I don't really see how Clemson is going to score very many points. Their offense has just been very out of whack. Just things just don't look good there for Clemson and Dabo. And yeah, even at home, maybe they play pretty inspired brand of football, but I just don't really see them winning this game. All right, Colton, uh, you want to lead us off, or not lead us off, but you want to jump into uh, arguably your biggest game of the week? Yeah, so let's look at one of two to three matchups later this week that we will get to that are going to probably decide who plays in the Big 12 championship game. We have Kansas State coming to Austin to face the Longhorns. This is a very interesting game. It actually kind of reminds me a lot of how I felt going into last year's game against Kansas State, where Texas was coming off a couple games where, or at least there, there were kind of some things with Texas that made you question them, and Kansas State was playing some really good football. The Longhorns went in there and only won by seven, but they were really in control for most of that game. And as far as this one goes, I think if Texas had Quinn Ewers, I'd feel really good about this game, but they obviously don't. They're starting Malik Murphy. And I think this game is ultimately going to come down to who's going to be able to score the most points in the red zone and capitalize, and really comes down to turnovers. And ultimately in this game, I just – I got to go with the Wildcats. I think that Kansas State is playing better football right now. I simply trust their quarterbacks more than I do Malik Murphy. And the Longhorns, arguably their biggest weakness this year, has been in the red zone. So we'll see. I think that there's still a path for Texas to win this game. I don't think that, obviously, the Longhorns are favored. So it's definitely not an upset if the Longhorns win. I just think it's going to take a pretty good game for Texas to win that. And I just can't really trust a freshman in his second start to get that one done. So I'm going to roll with the Wildcats there. But I hope I'm wrong. All right, so if you don't mind, I'm going to take a little pivot into, into my biggest game of the week. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the AM at Ole Miss game in Oxford. Um, you know, pretty big, huge test for AM, I would say, no question. Um, you know, this absolutely undoubtedly is their biggest road game up to this point in the season. You know, you can look at Miami week two um, and say that was as of right now, but. Um, you know that was just that was still week two, and everyone's still trying to figure out who they who they kind of are as teams, what works, what doesn't. Um, but you know we're already into the true uh, nuts and bolts parts of the schedule, or excuse me, we are into like the um, we're into uh, the meat and potatoes of the schedule. Excuse me, we're already in the in the full swing of things, no question. And so this will really determine what type of team you ultimate you ultimately have. Um, as for this game. You know, from an an AM perspective, it's certainly a scary game, no question. Anytime you go to Ole Miss, uh, you go to the Grove, you take on the Rebels, it's always going to be a pretty tough game, especially um, with the whole kind of Lane Kip and Jimbo Fisher beef off the field or just kind of, you know, how they've taken little subtle jabs at each other over the past few off seasons and during the season. Um, th- this will certainly be a very interesting game for bragging rights, no question. But as for the Aggies, I think this game will ultimately come down to just how well the offensive line plays. Um, Cause it's not a, it's not a question of if AM has skill guys or if AM has, you know, an experienced quarterback or if AM has good running backs. It's, it's, it's never been a question about that. It's always been a question of how well the offensive line can play on any given Saturday. And obviously up to this point in the season, they just have been, atrocious at times um but at the same time uh some of the biggest bright spots that we've had on offense this season have come when the offensive line actually gives our quarterback max johnson a bit of time to deliver the ball and let plays develop so i'm hoping for quite a bit of that on saturday however that's not the most probable outcome um anyways the thing that will most certainly keep anim in this game like how it has um pretty much every single game up to this point win or loss it will be the aggie defense um, that Aggie defense is playing 
out of their minds right now. It's truly like the wrecking crew that of the eighties and nineties, whatnot. It's like they came back for one more season because they're playing that well. Um, of course they're led by uh, junior linebacker, Edgerin Cooper, who I, as I mentioned in the latest episode, I, if I were choosing, I would give him the Dick Butkus award tomorrow. No question. He's playing that well. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see just what they can do against, you know, a pretty good quarterback who's having a pretty good year this year in Jackson Dart and a running back who is an absolute stud in Quinshawn Judkins. Um, you know, I know Quinshawn Judkins is ha- not having, I guess, necessarily like the most electric or flashy year by statistic statistic wise, but at the same time, he is still without a doubt one of the best running backs in the conference. Um However, one of AM's biggest defensive strengths is how they stop the run. But anyways, ultimately, um, when it comes down to it, if I had to make a choice in this game, I certainly see this game will be close um, just because of how good the Aggie defense is. Um, but I, I kind of like what Colton just did a moment ago. I ultimately think I will have to rock with Ole Miss as much as it hurts me to say that. Um, I, I'd much rather be correct on my game pick than um, – lead y'all astray with the bias AM choice. So I unfortunately with roll the I will roll with the Rebels here. Uh, but I think they'll they'll get it done pretty late in the game. I don't think it'll be like a commanding lead or anything like that. It's always good for television when it's a Lane Kiffin Jimbo Fisher matchup. Of course, no question. Um uh, wait real quick, another thing I want to address just really quickly about the AM offense as well is um this team has not scored a touchdown in the second half of a game in like six weeks, and I have no idea why. Uh, they've only been able to manage field goals um, in those games, and it's, you know, you kind of talked about how Texas struggles in the red zone. Like, that's kind of being your Achilles heel. Our second-half struggles on offense have been our Achilles heel up to this point this season, and I just don't understand why. Because, uh, you know, they can play an absolute lights-out first half on offense, and then they go in and make adjustments at the half, and they they – they go backwards. They don't go forwards, and it just makes no sense. You would think you'd be able to kind of wear teams down as the game goes on and make it easier. Yeah, and, well, it's it's A&M, and nothing ever really makes sense when we're talking about them in football. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a change this week. Let's, let's look at a big ACC game. Virginia Tech goes to Papa John Stadium to play the Cardinals and might be kind of under the radar there, but Brent Fry has this Virginia Tech rebuild. Even though they're four and four, they are in second place for the ACC. They're tied, or they're three and one in conference, and Louisville's four and one. But so this is a pretty big game here to see who can get the right to most likely play Florida State, who's probably locked in there to the championship game. As far as Virginia Tech goes, they made a quarterback switch early in the year. They went to Kyron Drones, a Baylor transfer who actually went to uh, Shadow Creek. Shout out to Brian Gordon. But yeah, I think Jeff Brom's done a great job this year, and I think that at home he's he's going to get it done and. Look, Louisville got pretty lucky with their schedule in the ACC. We talked about it in the preseason, but credit to Braum. If he's able to get them to 8-1, and one, you can only play who you play. So I think the Cardinals get it done here, and they're on a fast track to Charlotte. Let's take a look at an SEC game that probably decides the SEC East as well. We have Missouri going between the hedges to play Georgia. I think we talked about it whenever Brock Bowers went down. Curious to see if this Georgia offense can hold up if they get into any sort of shootout. I think Mizzou's the one team on their schedule that actually could pose that that type of threat with Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, and their receivers that they have on the outside with Luther Burton, Theo Weiss, Wookie Cooper inside. And yeah, ultimately, I think that Carson Beck has played really well this year, and he's kind of shown an ability that he can really put up points if need be. And with the Georgia defense, I don't really see them giving up too many points. This feels like one of those games 
where it seems like it happens with Kentucky every other year. I think it happened earlier this year where you feel like this could be kind of a trap game or a game where Georgia is kind of taken down to the wire and then they end up just completely crushing them. And I think that Georgia's defense is probably going to smother Mizzou. You know, I would love for this game to be an absolute trap game. I really would. I would love to see, you know, one of college football's mightiest heroes the past few years just completely go down like this. Um, however, Georgia is just inevitable. Um, these past few years, they've proven it. They're proven winners, obviously back-to-back national champs, um, things like that. And so even with the new quarterback and with your best offensive weapon out, they are still finding ways to win and they are still finding ways to put up quite a bit of points. Um, and so you pair that with their always lockdown defense for the most part that they have. Um, there's a reason why they're, they're so successful no matter who they're playing against. And, you know, I'm right there with you. I think Georgia car or excuse me. I think Carson Beck has been playing really well. Um, of the over the past three to four games whatnot i feel like uh, i remember at the beginning of the season we were kind of shaking our heads a little bit kind of like you know what the hell is this guy doing he's got to figure it out quick and i I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying this dude figured it out um so with the way they're playing right now they're still undefeated no question i don't really care who they line up against on saturday i, I will take the dogs in this game hands down no question um as for missouri though great season up to this point seven and one uh, you're ranked 12th in the in the first CFP poll. You know your quarterback, Mr. Cooks, putting up a ton of numbers. Luther Burden's having a complete breakout campaign. Um, I mean, you never know; they could definitely come out and shock the world on Saturday. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's it is still Georgia, and they are still in Athens. So that's going to be tough for anybody. I don't care who your coach is. I don't care how well your team's playing. So yeah, with that all being said, I'm certainly taking the dogs in this game. I think this game will be a lot like that Georgia-Tennessee game last year, actually. That would be fun. Yeah. It's just kind of like a team comes in and you think that they really have it all together offensively, and they do against 99% of opponents, but against Georgia, it just isn't going to happen. It's just but, different. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I hope it's I hope it's a close one because this Mizzou team is actually a pretty good team, I think, and they're playing well. But we'll see. Yeah, I think I'm with you. The dogs are inevitable. Let's look at another – Potential Big 12 semifinal. We've got Bedlam here, the last iteration of it for probably quite a while. You have the Sooners go to Stillwater. Boone Pickens Stadium is going to be rocking. I wish this was a night game, actually. You know Mike Gundy really wants this game. And I do think we talk about, I think college football fans will talk trash and call their rivals little brother and stuff from time to time. And that's all fun and games here. And But in this case, I actually think it's true. I mean, Oklahoma – owns the series and it's not particularly close i mean ou leads the series 91 to 19 i believe it's pretty yeah 91 to 19 and it honestly feels like in these games oklahoma state it's normally pretty close and then gundy and this whole team they kind of just can't really handle it in the big moments here but i don't know this is not a great matchup for the sooners i think i mean danny stutzman he got dinged up at the end of the Kansas game. OU, as we mentioned, really struggles to run the ball here. And Dylan Gabriel has looked a little bit dinged up of late. Some of his passes are floating a little bit more than usual. Oklahoma State has kind of figured it out here with Ollie Gordon. I mean, we'll talk about Jonathan Brooks, and he's having a great year. But Ollie Gordon is having a fantastic year at running back. Alan Bowman's playing well with the ball, and Oklahoma State is playing well of late. I think Oklahoma State finds a way to get it done here. I think Gundy's going to really want this one, and I think it's going to be a pretty gutsy performance, kind of like that 2021 game. 
Yeah, I think that the Pokes get their 20th win all time in Bedlam, and they do it at a great time. Let's take a look at another another big Big 12 game here because Iowa State has one loss in conference. They're part of that five-way tie. Kansas just beat Oklahoma, as everyone knows, but they actually have two losses here. They go to Ames at night. Night games in November in Ames are never fun. Credit to Matt Campbell after that early loss to a MAC team. I forget which one it was, but they're playing some better ball of late. Rocco back the young guys making some plays there, and John Heacock has that defense rolling. I don't know. I think Kansas finds a way here. I think it'll be pretty close. It'll be tough, but I like what I've seen from Jason Bean. I think he's going to be able to use his legs a bit, and Kansas can establish a run on this patented 3-3-5. I think that the Jayhawks have a good shot at getting this one done. Will, what do you like from uh, Washington USC? I'm pumped for this game. This is certainly, aside from, you know, Washington, Oregon, this was probably going to be the, one of the biggest games of the Pac-12 this season. No questions asked. Um, very intriguing matchup on paper. Uh, you know, you have two of the best quarterbacks in all of college football matching up, and anytime you have that going on at all, it'll always make for some fireworks and just a lot of offensive uh, offensive plays and things like that. Um so I'm hoping that'll certainly be the case on Saturday. As for this game, uh, looking at the line right now, uh, Washington, I know the game is in um, it's in L.A., it's in the Coliseum, but Washington still is a three-point favorite. Um, and somehow, somewhere, some little troll in the, the depths of Las Vegas just happens to know all of these lines because they almost always cash. Um, anyways, I... I'm 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 liking. I know Washington these past few weeks has not looked like the, the old Washington to start the season, um, but at the same time, I still think Michael Penix will do um, will do a damn good job against this USC team. Uh, I'm I I I feel very confident in saying that Washington will get this job done, even though they're on the road, and especially considering just how bad USC's defense is. I think Washington will have a field day. Um, against that defense. However, at the same time though, um, you know, Caleb Williams is no slouch and, you know, he has always been known to pretty much no matter how, how, how far down his team may be or how far up his team may be as well. He's always been kind of known to, um, well, excuse me, no matter how down his team may be, he always kind of finds a way to lead like a late charge like that to get him right back in the game. Um, so ultimately though, I don't, I don't think he can lead that strong of a charge. I think Washington will take care of business in the Coliseum on Saturday. So I'm actually going to pick the Trojans here and I don't know, because look, I think that USC is really soft. Their offensive line is a problem and their defense is a problem, but this is college football and Michael Penix has been a little bit dinged up. He still got it back together last week and I don't know. Their defense has had some struggles. I think they've been kind of playing on the edge, and I don't know. I think this is one of those games where Caleb gets the ball last, and he's going to be the hero. So we'll see. Funny enough, USC, in spite of how much we all kind of you know make fun of them and ridicule them, they actually only have one conference loss. So in theory, if they that, win this game, they're in position for the championship game, which is which is pretty crazy considering how much they've struggled. But yeah, I don't know. I think USC finds a way to get it done in the Coliseum. Let's look at another Pac-12 matchup. UCLA goes to Tucson. Arizona coming off that big, big-time win there. I don't know. For me, in this game, look, UCLA is playing some really good defense. They've had some inconsistencies at the quarterback spot there, whether it's Dante Moore and now Ethan Garbers. I mean, it's kind of just 
it's been a bit of a mess there, which is a shame because they're playing some really good defense. But I like what I've seen from Noah Fafita and the Wildcats. I think they're going to find a way to get the win here at home, and Jed Fish is going to have them at 6-3. and three. All right, let's finally dive into, I would say, the biggest game of the weekend, hands down. I'm That's so LSU. for this game. Yeah, so that, that would be LSU traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, as we all know, whenever these two teams meet on the football field, there something crazy always happens. You know, we saw last year at that overtime. Was it double overtime or single overtime? I think it was double last year, wasn't it? Um, I think it I think it was single. I think they just elected to go for two. Okay. Well, anyways, they still went to overtime like that. Um, and, and we all remember in 2019, LSU walked in there, uh, rolled the tide right out of their own building. However, um, long story short, these teams, whenever they get together, it's absolutely nuts. Um, and like always, whenever they do get together towards the end of the season, there is always, it always seems to be like, uh, the SEC West, uh, the fate of that, of the SEC West division is pretty much, um, dependent on the result of this game. And that is certainly the case this year as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a night game for Bama and Tuscaloosa. So that's always a huge advantage for them. Uh, although LSU is playing very well, Jaden Daniels, he's been looking really good as of recently. Um, so on and so forth. And you look at Bama, you know, Jalen Milrow himself has also been looking a little bit better recently. He's um, really starting to figure it out somewhat down the stretch here of the season. Although he still has like the same three, same two to three plays QB draw um, 50 yard bomb down the field and scramble and throw the ball outside scramble and throw the ball out of bounds uh, but anyways I really don't know who to take as a pick in this game Colton I, I, I'm not sure I, I think Alabama's the more glaring choice um, but at the same time I, I could also see LSU um, taking care of business in this game as well so I you got to make a pick I know I know I do um, shoot well, I mean, you don't have to. It's just more fun. No, I'm going to make one. Hell with it. Give me Bama. I like Bama in this game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll take Bama. Um, I mean, these are the top two teams in the SEC West. and But as I've been saying uh, off and on throughout the entire year, I will never bet against a Nick Saban team. Um, I will never bet against an Alabama-led Nick Saban team as long as he's their coach, and I am standing true to my word on that. No, look, I'm with you. This game... This game is really hard to pick. I mean, it's pretty interesting because you have a Bama defense that has been really, really good this year. And you mentioned their offense is still figuring it out. They're playing a lot better. They're still not great by you know by any means. But you have an LSU offense, which is awesome. I mean, Jaden Daniels this year is fantastic. We talked about potential Heisman guys last week, and we forgot to mention Jaden Daniels. He has 30 touchdowns total and three picks this year. And I mean, he's he's really he's been kind of – Absolutely the, uh, balling out, yeah. Yeah, he's – kind of been everything for them really and yeah. uh it's pretty impressive because i never i would say he's pretty good but i never really thought that he could truly be you know i, I guess kind of the straw that stirs the entire drink there for the tigers on offense but if you look at it here and this, i mean this lsu defense is just terrible so yeah a very interesting matchup here i wonder if lsu if they can even do this how because obviously AM has a good defense but that AM Bama game, I mean, Jermaine Burton had what 200 receiving yards, but they only scored 26 points. So it's not like it was some sort of dominant offensive performance there. By the tide, obviously, LSU's defense is much, much worse. Is much, much worse. But 
I don't know. I think LSU desperation mode here. I think that they find a way. I think they're the better quarterback, and it might not make that much sense considering how bad their defense is. But I think, I think LSU can score on pretty much anyone. So I'm, I'm rolling with the Tigers here. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, all right. That'll uh, just about wrap up all of our games uh, for this our preview right whatnot. So now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, our locks of the week, um, or as, as I should call them, the suggestions of the week, because we haven't had too many, too much success in recent memory. Um, Colson, how about you lead us off here? Yeah, mine may as well be the the do not take these games of the week because <laughs> or take the other take the other line. <laughs> Whatever you say, take the opposite. <laughs> I think I'm zero and six the last few weeks, but. We're not going to talk about that. We're on to a new week. We have a game here on Thursday night. I'm loving Texas Tech. Guns up here. Minus two and a half at home against TC Horn Frogs. You kind of thought the Horn Frogs had, had something figured out there when they put in Josh Hoover and destroyed BYU until you realize that BYU is absolutely terrible. And TCU, not very good this year. I think we kind of expect them to take a step back, but this has been pretty drastic off that national championship appearance last year and texas tech is no longer starting jake strong because they got barrett morton back from injury Taja brooks is having a sneaky good year here it's a shame tech's so bad for his sake but yeah i think tech gets it done here by more than two and a half points my other lock i'm going against boulder again and i have to preface i have no problem with boulder i think dion is doing a good job and i figured they would struggle this year but yeah boulder kind of did me dirty last week they ended up covering but, look, I'm really concerned about Shadur Sanders. I mean, he's probably going to get sacked close to 10 times this game. And this defense isn't any good. And DJ and this Oregon State offense can score enough that I think they can win by two touchdowns. So give me the Red Raiders and give me the Beavers. Lock it in. Go to Vegas. Okay, so my two locks of the week. Uh, I'll start with my um... – I'll start with my more risky one first off. Um, you and I talked about this game just a moment ago. We previewed it. Uh, I'm taking Washington minus three uh, on the road at USC in the Coliseum. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, just how bad USC's defense has been up to this point and their offensive line and a lot of other contributing factors. Um, but mainly their defense, just how bad they've been up to this point and just how good Michael Penix can be at times. Um, I feel like this, I feel pr- pretty confident in this one. Um, so that's why I'm going to roll with the Huskies in this game, even though they're on the road, taking on a, of course, another stout opponent. Um, I'm still liking the Huskies minus three. Now that's my, that's my more risky pick. My absolute safe and complete lock of the week. Um, you know, I, I, they, um, they don't call it gambling when you know you're going to win. Right. So, uh, the next pick I'm taking you probably all know where I'm going with this as soon as I say the first team. That would be Iowa at Northwestern. I am taking the under all day, minus 30 and a half, um, which I believe sets – if it doesn't set it, then it's damn near knocking down the door of it. Um, that would be the all-time lowest over and under ever recorded by sportsbooks, um, which is utterly insane. Anyways, um, I I'm not taking I'm not taking either team outright like this. I'm just strictly here for the over and under, and I'm certainly hammering that under, especially with this game being in Wrigley, kind of a different. Obviously, a base it's a baseball stadium. It's not a football stadium, so it's different dimensions, just things like that. Um, yeah, I'm taking the under in this game, and I feel like everyone else probably should as well. I think that'll probably help 
a segue from our locks of the week, which y'all should all hammer. And we're going to segue into the big news here that came out a couple days ago with Iowa electing to announce that they will be letting go of offensive coordinator and head coach's son, Brian Ferens at the conclusion of this 2023 season. So, I mean, this seems like something that honestly should have happened years ago. And we all like to have fun with it, with the whole contract stipulation of having to score 25 points per game. But let's be honest, that was really embarrassing and a total joke. And frankly, he was never even going to hit that point. Total anyway. it's like, I don't think anyone even thought he was going to be able to hit that without immense help from his special teams and defense. And so, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this is, look, obviously you don't want to fire your son. And it sounds like this came from the athletic director and actually the interim athletic director for Iowa, which is uh, a pretty bold move on her part, but I like it. I mean, she wants winning football. I respect the move. Yeah. And so I actually watched the press conference that they held and it was really, really awkward and, and, uh, and uncomfortable. I mean, Kirk Ferentz was saying some stuff kind of to the, it was kind of like he was saying something like however long I've been here with the 30, 40 years, we've always made decisions at the end of the season after doing evaluations and this was a far cry from that something like that just really hinting it came out of the athletic director's office and then someone even asked him do you think this is going to affect your relationship with the athletic director and he kind of dodged a question and just went on some tangent about in the military there's always a chain of command and so he understands there's a chain of command so yeah i'm uh Farron's also made a statement yesterday saying that he's planning on being the head coach there next year. But this this kind of feels like the beginning of the end, even if it was most definitely the right move for the Hawkeyes. But funny enough, the Hawkeyes are still right in position to make the Big Ten championship. So we'll have to see how the end of the year plays out for them. Yeah, no question. Um, I mean, obviously, the jo- as you were saying, the jokes about Iowa's offense, they have been such a constant in the college football world for the better part of five-plus seasons. Um and so I, you know, it's it was funny at first, and I, I'm sure there are even Iowa fans who got a pretty good laugh out of it. Um, but ultimately, after you do something over and over again like that, it's just the definition of insanity, and they're they're constantly living that on offense. Um, so even though as painful as it may be, as you were just saying, I absolutely believe it is the right move, 100%. No questions asked. Um, I mean, I was always been known for an incredible and just stout defense, but no offense, at least in my mind, that's how I've always known them. Um, so, and, you know, who's to say just how far this program and this team can really go if they actually have a competent offense that can score more than just 25 points a game like that. You pair that with a really solid defense, then you may have a recipe for one of the best teams in the Big Ten, if not the country, once everything is officially firing on all cylinders. Um, however, that clearly is not the case this year, even though they're still right in the thick of it, feels like. They're having a pretty damn good, successful year if you look at the record. Um, but ultimately, this as weird as it may be um, or as awkward as it might've been with the whole process going down, I, I do think that this is the right move. 100%. No questions asked. Yeah. And I'm curious to see, cause obviously while I don't think Brian Ferens was a good OC, I think some of Kirk Ferens kind of offensive philosophy also played into how bad and stagnant their offense was. But 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like we'll mention, I mean, I know you mentioned they scored more than than 25. I mean, if they were even able to score 20 a game, they would probably go 11-1 this year. And mm-hmm. they probably would have won a couple more Big Ten championships. I mean, you know, they'd at least have appeared in some more championship games and maybe made it competitive against that that kind of top three of Ohio State, Penn State, That's and Michigan. Big... But, yeah, this was kind of just a long time coming. I mean, you definitely feel bad for him for Brian and for Kirk having to see his son go. But at the end of the day, this is a multi-million dollar state university and he was running like the family business. So it was, it was time for a change. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the thing though, man, is that truly, I I really believe that the limit for the Iowa football program is, is through the roof. I mean, it's sky high. There's no telling just how far this program can go once they actually figure out how to play offense. But until then, you know, they'll always they'll always be limited to having an incredible defense and no one on offense. And that'll only get you so far every year as we've all seen. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that the Hawkeyes can turn it around. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I've always kind of liked the Hawkeyes mainly because my favorite color is yellow and they're like, they predominantly feature yellow and black in their uniform. So I've always thought they had cool unis, but anyways, um, I just think it would be awesome for them to actually have it have a competent offense, and Lord knows all the fans of Iowa and the students at Iowa um, would be absolutely thrilled if they could actually put up a few points in, in football games going forward. I mean, Iowa's DC Phil Parker makes five hundred ninety-five thousand dollars a year. They should probably double that. Uh, yeah, because yeah. their defense is insane, but. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I also tend to think that, I mean, look, like Kirk Friends probably wasn't going to be the head coach there for much longer anyway, just due to his age. But I think this is this is probably the beginning of the end there. I just think it's it's going to get pretty awkward, but I hope they continue to win football games because I actually hopped on the Iowa bandwagon when they were starting to go undefeated in 2015. I actually went to that Big Ten Championship game. So shout out to my Guita for taking me to that one. That was, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm with you. Always rooting for the Hawkeyes there, but... We'll have to see how it how it plays out there. But the funniest thing that undoubtedly that Iowa can do is put up 50 points this weekend on Northwestern. That would be the funniest thing that could ever happen. I, I, you know, if they act if they actually are able to do that, and obviously if they did that, my my under would not cash by any means. Um, I would be more happy that my under didn't cash if they do it in that kind of resounding fashion than I would be if it cashed by like one point. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I would I would love to see Iowa just tee off like that, but. I just don't think they have they have the ability to do that as long as um, you know they have I've, I I can't even think of his name right now I'm sorry I'm drawing a blank as long as their offensive coordinator who they're letting go is still there I mean clearly he is till the end of the season but um, yeah I would love nothing more for them to just tee off but that's just it's just not going to happen yeah that is definitely not very likely do you want to uh, look at conferences first or the playoffs? Uh, that's a good question. Let's just do, uh, let's just do the playoffs. Cause that just happened a couple days ago. Um, all right. What you, so what you got? Yes. Yeah, so the first iteration of the playoff rankings for 2023 was released. It goes as followed Ohio state, Georgia, Michigan, Florida state round out the top four followed by Washington, Oregon, and Texas at seven. And then you have Alabama, OU and Ole Miss wrapping up the top 10. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, nothing too surprising here. I mean, I think Ohio State is not the best team in the country, but they have the best resume, so they deserve to be there. And I don't know, personally, I think people get a little too worked up about the rankings. I mean, I saw people were complaining about Texas being ranked ahead of Oklahoma, which 
for the record, this is very like obvious. Oklahoma lost more recently, so this always happens. Like this is not a surprise. Like I understand the rationale because OU beat Texas, but I think it's I think everyone expected Texas bearing to head of Oklahoma. But like you know, for example, people are getting worked up about that, but it doesn't really matter because if both these teams went out, they're going to play each other again, and then that decides it. And kind of the same thing how I feel about Ohio State and Michigan, and. I mean, Ole Miss is kind of on the outside there. They have to play Georgia, so probably not likely. And, yeah, I mean, Washington and Oregon, I think, are also in position to play each other again if they went out. And that'll kind of decide it. And then I think I think Bama's a bit on the outside, but it would be interesting if if they beat Georgia and go 12-1, and if they could find their way in the playoffs. And what does Georgia do if they have a, if they have a loss? Because they don't really have a great win, so... I don't know. That's kind of just some of my musings. What do you think? Uh, so I'm happy with them, uh, except I think there would be one thing that I would change. Um, you know, Georgia, without a doubt, is certainly a top four team in the country. However, I do not think that the dogs are better than Michigan. So I would probably just flip Georgia uh, Georgia and Michigan. I'd have Michigan be, uh, be two and Georgia be three. Um, that would at least feel a little bit more comfortable to me. Um, other than that, though, I don't really have anything – too much to say about this I, I i definitely see your argument of about uh, texas being to rank two spots above oklahoma because it is true oklahoma literally did lose last weekend and texas lost like what like a month ago so it certainly makes sense uh behind that justification and but at the end of the day as you said um these rankings truly won't you know make or break what's going on right now because if these if these two teams both went out they'll be playing each other for a big 12 title and probably um a playoff spot. So it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes up at the end of the season. Um, as for Washington and Oregon, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Both teams are playing incredibly good football. Um, although Washington has hit a bit of a rough patch, um, that still can't take away from them being undefeated and having a great season. As for Oregon, you know, they only have that one loss to Washington. Um, so yeah, it makes, it makes complete and total sense there. Um, Bama at eight, they do kind of feel like they're on the outside a little bit because, you know, we're always so used to seeing Bama probably within the top five of every single CFP rankings for the most part. Um, you know, the CFP is certainly still possible for Bama if, if they went out and uh, win a title or win a, a conference title in Atlanta later this year. So that's certainly still on the table, but they certainly have um, their work cut out for them, unlike a few other teams. Um, and finally, Ole Miss. I think this is a very interesting spot for them. I, I do like the rankings because, obviously, they beat um, LSU, no question. However, they don't hold a tiebreaker over Bama. So I know that Ole Miss fans are really praying for Bama to go down at some point, probably with their best chance of going down this upcoming weekend against LSU. Um, but with Ole Miss, I, I think it, in order for them to truly make a jump into the top five, or maybe even have a shot at the playoff at all, they are just going to have to win the SEC West and win the SEC title, and that's probably the only way there. Um, that's not to discredit the season they're having right now at all. It's just the way the cookies crumbled so far. I mean, um, you know, they took that loss to Bama earlier in the season, and that's just certainly not helping them now. But aside from that, the top 10 rankings, as what I was just saying, um, aside from flipping Michigan and Georgia, I'm, I'm happy with them, and I'm really interested to see um, how these shifts and change week by week as we uh, wrap up the season in, in a few weeks, which is already crazy to think about. Yeah, I was about to say this. This discussion next week will probably be 
a lot different considering I think Texas is going to lose. I have OU losing and I have Washington losing. So I have, I have Ole Miss losing, you know, question. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> but no. um, yeah, I mean, I guess like one other thing is, I guess, let me know if you think I'm wrong, but I think the only one lost teams here that truly, truly control their own destiny are probably Oregon and Texas and maybe Alabama. Like yeah. I think if Texas wins out, as long as the other four power five champions don't go undefeated, like I think that, there, that there's no way that you would leave out 12 and one Texas with the Bama win. And I guess Oregon will get to avenge their win over Washington. I guess the only thing with Bama is if they went 12 and one, are is a committee going to kick out 12 and one Georgia? That's the thing. I don't know because it's uh, assuming of course, if Bama does win out and Georgia of course takes care of the business in the East, like how they always do. Um, that SEC title game will ultimately decide who gets the one spot for the SEC this year because we all know the committee absolutely loves the SEC. No matter how uh, how good or how bad the conference may be, it seems like the committee will still always give them a spot in the playoff. Um, so it just comes down to you know who wins in Atlanta. I mean that's just that's just kind of the case with all Power Five conference championships games ever since we've had the playoff format. Um, so it's just really interesting to see what will happen. Um, I do agree with you on Oregon as well. I definitely think they control their own destiny. You know, the, the resume pretty much speaks for itself. They've only had one loss, and that was to a top-five Washington team on the road, and they only lost because of a last-second game-winning field goal. So they were pretty much in that game the entire time. They showed that they are certainly one of the best teams in the country. Um, so if they're just able to take care of business, not necessarily sleepwalk through any games, then, yeah, I certainly think they control their own destiny. Um as for Texas, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Of course, with um, Quinn Ewers being out for a couple more weeks, that makes um, that makes things certainly a little, a little bit more difficult than they probably should be. However, I, I do agree. Um, you know, unfortunately, you did, your one loss, if you only have one loss um, on the entire season to a pretty tough Oklahoma team, I think that's a damn good resume. Um However, though, as I just said, with Quinn Ewers being out, anything is possible, unfortunately. I, I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Um, and it, it, all just, it all just comes down to if they're able to take care of business. Because I think if Texas is truly going to you know, have, the sh- uh, have the chance to win out and win the Big 12 this year, they got to start truly fixing some things on offense, most notably, as you mentioned, the red zone problem. Because um, clearly there have been quite a few games that they've played in this season where they probably should, you know, be crushing their opponent and it's still with with like a 10 point game with like anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes left so um as for texas if they're able to truly get going like that and actually figure out their red zone problem and certain things of that nature then yeah they absolutely would i would say they control their own destiny no question um but it'll just be interesting because if if they figure it out great and if they don't figure it out then that's it's just is what it is it's just, it's just kind of like an uh, an opportunity wasted and we don't really want to see that you know yeah i'm uh we'll get into it i think maybe more in the off season because this season is so awesome but i'm not i'm a little bit indifferent on the uh, 12 team playoff but this year would be awesome i mean there's so many good teams here that i think are going to get left out which which is a shame i mean i think i saw i just the only one that I really remember that I can draw from right now is, I guess, that the playoffs were this year. You would have what Bama going, or you'd have Bama OU in Tuscaloosa. You would have Ole Miss coming to Austin. Like you would have some really awesome matchups and a really cool playoff if that was the case. But I'm sure we will get a lot of great 
12 team playoffs in the near future it just actually feels like this year everything is pretty open I really can't wait for that 12 team playoff to start like that will be so fun especially when you actually get like meaningful playoff games like that on campus it'll be the best thing in the world you know like of course we like we all respect like you know the Rose Bowl the Cotton Bowl the the Orange Bowl the Peach Bowl all those bowls we respect them but there truly is nothing like a high stakes matchup on your home turf on campus it's just the best thing in the world no it's going to be awesome so yeah we'll get back to y'all with some more playoff talks that we expect this these rankings to be look a lot different next week and they'll be changing a lot throughout the year i'm just going to run through uh the conference races real quick so we don't go too over time here just to give everyone an update since we're about i mean most teams have played around 67 to 75 percent of their games so looking at the big 10 i mean pretty simple here in uh, the east you have ohio state and michigan at the top there and you've got michigan still also play penn state which i think michigan is going to win it could get a little dicey if penn state wins that game you could have a bit of a three-way tie scenario in play but i think this comes down to ohio state and michigan at the end of the year in the east as far as the west goes of course in the last year it has to be crazy you have a four-way tie for first with minnesota iowa Wisconsin and Nebraska and Northwestern actually only has uh, one less conference win than the teams in first place, but you still have some pretty big games that are going to decide this as, for example, Wisconsin still has to play Nebraska and Minnesota. Iowa still has to play Wisconsin as well, uh, as well as Nebraska too. So you have some pretty big games coming up that are going to Decide that one, the ACC, we kind of hit on there. It looks like it's going to be Florida State versus the winner of Louisville and Virginia Tech. You still have Duke, Carolina, and Georgia Tech kind of on the peripheral there. As far as the SEC goes, the East is pretty much going to be decided this weekend with Missouri and Georgia. And same thing with the West there, unless Ole Miss can pull a big upset and cause some drama there. But then, yeah, looking at the the Pac-12, I mean, you've got Washington, who's in the pole spot there, but USC only has one conference loss. So does Arizona and Oregon, obviously, there. I think is probably in the best position uh, to make it, but we'll see how that shakes out as the season goes on. And then the Big 12, I think, is probably the most interesting. I mean, you have a five-way tie with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, and Iowa State. And then you also have Kansas coming off the big one. They have two conference losses, and this is kind of like semifinal weekend here in the big 12 and crazy to think about what I expect to happen is that, I mean, if I'd asked you a month ago and told you that none of the, that neither Texas or Oklahoma was going to make it to Arlington, you'd probably think I was crazy, but I think that's where we're headed or at least a strong possibility here coming up this weekend. So yeah, we'll see. I think um, all these games are going to pretty much decide who goes. I think that the winner of Bedlam is probably locked in there to the big 12 championship and Iowa State, I think, is probably the, the least likely to make it out of those teams just due to the fact they have to play Kansas, they'll have to play Texas and Kansas State as well. So, yeah, we'll see. I think the winner of Texas-Kansas State is probably making it to Arlington and the winner of Bedlam makes it there. So should picture should become a lot more clear after this weekend. But, yeah, I just wanted to uh, keep you all informed because there's a lot of fun conference games to watch. A lot of these races are going to come down to the last few weeks of the year. You know, I agree with you on the Big 12. Um, I certainly think the winner of the Texas K-State game and the Bedlam matchup, of course, the Battle of Bedlam whatnot, those two teams will pretty much already mo- most likely punch their ticket to Arlington. Um, 
and you're not kidding, dude. If you would have, if you would have told either one of us at the beginning of the season that you know at this point of the year that there's a five way tie for first place in the Big Twelve, I'd probably call you nuts. Um, I, I I wouldn't believe you in the slightest. But yet that's that's our reality here in 2023. Um, so anything's possible. But you know we'll see how this weekend plays out and. You know, just go from there, of course. As you were saying, for the ACC, it's pretty much Florida State's to lose up to this point. I know that Louisville is 7-1 to overall, and they're 4-1 and in conference. Um, but Florida State is just – obviously, they're 8-0. They're undefeated. They're playing really good football. Um, and, you know, they've been in the driver's seat of this conference for pretty much the the majority of the season. Um, so, you know, if, they just, if they're just able to take care of business down the stretch, and there's, there's no question that they, of course, will be – be the champions but um pretty much what i'm saying is it's certainly their conference to lose uh, up to this point as for the big 10 you know uh the most intriguing thing is coming out of the big 10 east in my opinion that'd be michigan and ohio state tied for tied for first up top and quite honestly i don't see either one of those teams taking a loss on the schedule until they both match up to close out the season i'm, I'm sorry penn state even though you're seven to one and four and one in conference those teams just don't seem to lose until one until they match up with each other um as for if I had to make a pick for this uh, division right now, I would still roll with the boys from Michigan, even though with the whole sign stealing scandal stuff, whatnot, and you know the whole just everything. No matter what's going on around that program, they're still playing dang good football. Um, so I'd have to rock with those guys. As for the Big Ten West, you know Iowa, you know they, they've been kind of disappointing. They've they've made the headlines obviously with their offensive coordinator decision uh, in recent memory, but at the same time they're they're still in first place in the Big Ten West. Oddly enough. Um, so yeah, give me the Hawkeyes in there. Hell with it. I I, I think it would be the most ironic thing ever if that team can still win the, win the Western Division of the Big Ten this year, even though they let go of their offensive coordinator and they barely put up twenty five points a game. Um. Anyways, moving on to the next conference, I'll talk about the Pac twelve here just for just for a second. Um. You know, USC and Oregon are certainly still right in the thick of things. Uh, I mean, USC certainly has two losses that Oregon. Uh, USC has one more loss that Oregon doesn't have, and of course, Washington's still undefeated. Um. You know, you never say never, um, but clearly Washington has been the best team in the Pac-12 this year, no questions asked. Um, even though they have had a few scuffs and and rough-ups, whatnot, in recent memory, um, you know, there's a reason why they're undefeated this year, and there's a reason why they have um, a, Heisman, a Heisman candidate quarterback uh, who's running the show playing this well. So I'm still liking Washington in this race, of course. And finally, you look at the SEC. Uh Kind of what I, what Colton and I have just been saying about the Big Twelve a moment ago. Uh, the two games this weekend will pretty much determine who wins this conference. I feel like, um, or at least who will win the division. Excuse me. So no questions asked about the Georgia Missouri game. Those are clearly the two the two front runners for uh, the SEC East. Uh, and you know, it, with that's we kind of touched on that earlier. But I definitely am still rocking with Georgia here, just as always, because as I was saying earlier, they are inevitable. No matter how much we love them or hate them, they are just inevitable. Um, and for the SEC West, you know, Bama, as always, is leading the division once again. Great. Um, but Ole Miss, you know, they're they only have um, Bama's five and zero in conference. Uh, Ole Miss is four and one. So if Ole Miss is able to take care of business down the stretch, um, then they will certainly be in prime position as well. However, they will need a little bit of luck from other teams um, around the country in order to truly take over the first place spot. And finally, LSU is still right in the thick of it as well. Um, you know, they have one more loss overall um, than both Ole Miss and Alabama. But however, they are still 
um, four and one in the conference, which is the same thing as as Ole Miss. So ultimately, it it this will be a really fun race to watch um, go down these final few weeks of the season. But if you ask me right now, I still believe that Alabama will come out of the West as always. And I all like once I was saying just a moment ago, I certainly think Georgia will come out of the East. Um, but yeah, but that being said, that'll that'll at least close out my thoughts on the conference races. It's uh it's certainly been uh, a really fun year up to this point. Um, even though we've had quite a bit of mayhem, it still seems that the cream ultimately does rise to the top. And um, you know that that's just that's what we're seeing as we were expecting. So yeah, one last thing I want to touch on there with the Big Ten West. Funny enough, those two crazy games where obviously Iowa, Minnesota, but also Minnesota, Nebraska was that week one or zero those two games are pretty much i mean that could be the difference there because minnesota has the tiebreaker over both iowa and nebraska so yeah we'll see how it how it plays out but yeah a, a lot of fun conference races to follow down the stretch but yeah that's i know we ran a little bit over time today but i think it was necessary so that's we had a lot to, we had a lot to talk about yeah for sure um all right, well, as Colton was just saying, we did run a little bit over time. So uh, if you're still with us now, thank you very much. We appreciate you sticking with us uh, through and through. Um, but, yeah, with all that being said, that will just about do it for this episode of Trouble with the Snap. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, etc., any ideas, you know where to find us on socials. Um, Colton, any, any closing statement, any final thoughts where we wrap up completely? Watch football. Absolutely. Um, All right, well, that'll just about do it for Trouble with the Snap. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week after we, um, of course, watch football all weekend and give you our thoughts on what we saw. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all.